everybody today. I'm so glad you made it to Centerpoint Church. I'm John. If you're new here, I'm lead pastor. I'm glad to welcome you. And I wanted to just make sure that you are aware that on Christmas, we are doing eight services, four of them on Sunday and four of them on Tuesday. And whether you come on Sunday or on Tuesday, it'll be the same great Christmas experience. So uh, make sure to begin to talk now about, hey, when are we going to come? I would suggest the Sunday, 4 o'clock p.m. or the Tuesday 12 o'clock, just because those are probably the ones that there will be the fewest people coming to. So take advantage of that. All right, this is No Hype, part three. And I want to get right into the message today with a scripture that's foundational. It's the scripture that I think probably a lot of us have, have internalized. And if you're new to this whole thing called following Jesus, it becomes a cornerstone scripture that, uh, that needs to frame your experience of following Jesus. And it's this. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it just simply says this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I want you to say these words out loud all together. Read it from the screen with me. Ready? Go. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. This is foundational, not just as a scripture to read and know about, but as a way of actually living, learning how to activate this faith within us so that we can follow Jesus into the experience of the no-hype kingdom of God reality that he demonstrated for us. This series is about Jesus. It's about Jesus demonstrating the kingdom of God with healings and deliverance and breakthrough. And this is our reality we get to follow Jesus into an experience of that no-hype kingdom of God goodness. But to get there, it's going to take some faith. Everyone say faith. faith. Now read it one more time with me, and let's make sure it's simmering in our heart. Ready? Go. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Here's the reality, though. What we hope for doesn't always take place. Like, for example, this past week, I had the privilege of being in Thailand on a missions trip with Compassion International. And uh, I, I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. But on uh, Monday, I got back at about midnight. And coming back from where I was in Thailand, it's an arduous amount of travel. I mean, it's 37 hours, four planes. I mean, a plane from Chiang Mai to Bangkok, from Bangkok to Hong Kong, another plane from Hong Kong to San Francisco, another plane from San Francisco to Los Angeles. 37 hours, grueling, right? And I get back, it's about midnight, and then I wait an ungodly long time for the shuttle to come and finally get me, because I chose one of those cheap off-market long-term parking deals. And, and uh, I finally got to the parking structure, walked up to the fifth floor where my truck was, and walked towards my truck. I'm just feeling so relieved. The end is in sight, you know? And then I click my car to open it, and nothing. Like, not even a little chirp. Nothing. Not anything. It was completely dead. Can you relate to how annoying that would be? Like in the middle of the night after 37 hours of travel, all you want to do is get home, and instead you got a dead truck in front of you. And so I'm just standing there. I literally threw my suitcase on the ground and just collapsed against the truck. Like, 
I don't even know what to do. I'm too tired to think. Come on, you can feel it with me, right? So then I, I hike downstairs back to the parking garage little office, and there's one guy. I practically had to wake him up, and I'm like, hey, what do I do? And he's like, well, for $20, I'll rent you a car starter. See, they know how to make it happen over there in West L.A. Anyway, he rented me a little uh, battery starter thing, and I carried that back up five flights and went over to my truck and popped the hood and put the clamps on and turned the switch and got my car going. And I'm very grateful that it actually did start going. But here's, yeah, clapping for my car starting. That's awesome. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. If all I had done was discover that my car was dead and just leaned against my car, just kind of hoping, oh, I just hope that it would start. I just hope that it would start somehow. Nothing would happen. I had to be willing to do something. I had to be willing to carry something. I had to be willing to make a connection so that the power could flow the way it was supposed to. And faith is a little bit like that. It is the connection that allows the power to flow as it's supposed to so that we can actually experience the kingdom of God. So my message today is this, activate your faith to advance God's kingdom. I want you to write that simple thought down. Activate your faith to advance God's kingdom. And I want you to say it with me one time. Say it nice and strong. Ready? Activate your faith to advance God's kingdom. God's kingdom is what Jesus demonstrated. All of the healings, the deliverances, the miracles, they were not Jesus just showing off. They were Jesus showing us how we could actually choose to live in the reality of God's kingdom and the power of God flowing. But for that to happen, you and me need to be willing to show up with an activated faith, to move beyond passivity, and to be willing to make the connection so the power can flow. So I want us to spend some time in Mark chapter 5 today. So you can go ahead and open up your Bible, or if you're doing a Bible app, to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And while you're turning there, here's the setting. Jesus has been demonstrating the kingdom of God. In the beginning of, of the gospel of Mark, showing us the ways of God and the reality of the kingdom. And people are being healed. People are experiencing breakthrough. People are receiving deliverance and miracles. And in fact, in Mark chapter 5, at the beginning, Jesus has been on the other side of the lake in a place called Gerasene, where there was a man who was completely afflicted and in bondage of a demonic spirit. And Jesus came on the scene and showed you and me this is what the kingdom of God looks like and sets him free. Right? And so that was what just happened. And then Jesus goes back to Capernaum on the other side of the lake. And that's where we'll jump in at uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. So this is what we, what we read there. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. You know what we're seeing? We're seeing a picture of a person who is activating their faith to advance God's kingdom. That's what it can look like. One example of what it can look like. But in this case, it's happening because there's a daughter who's desperately ill, and the scripture says, is dying. One of the things I thank God for about his word is that God's word doesn't sugarcoat things. If there's a terrible moment where something awful is happening, it just spells it out. 
There's no need to make it sound better than it was. That's a terrible thing to experience as a parent, that the child that you love is actively dying. This is bringing about a desperation inside of this man. And sometimes it is desperation that does draw out that faith that needs to be activated. It doesn't tend to be on the day when you had the best year ever in business and everything's going great with your kids and they're all on the honor roll and they all got into the best colleges and you have the money to pay for them and you got a new car. Like those don't tend to be the days when you have a, a desperation in you that activates faith. It tends to be the other days, the shadowy days, whereas there's despair because of a relationship that's on the rocks. You don't even know if it's going to make it. It's the days when you get this diagnosis that just comes out of nowhere, blindsides you, and you, you feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy everything. You, 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 in those moments, have a desperation that rises up, and that desperation will either rise up in you and drive you right to the feet of Jesus, or it'll drive you away into the darkness where you don't even believe that there's anything good that could happen. But the scripture that I'm bringing to you today to start with was in Hebrews chapter 11, and it's faith is a sureness that what we hope for will actually happen. And, and that hope is based on who we know God to be. At the core, faith is about believing that God is good. And because God is good, even in the middle of a terrible moment, we believe God could bring something good because he is faithful. So here's what I see. I see a man who's in a place of desperation, and he needs a breakthrough. And breakthrough draws three components together. First, God. Second, a person. And third, a moment where there's a problem. So you've got God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You've got a person who is a body, soul, spirit. And you've got a problem which takes place at the intersection between time, eternity, and circumstance. And that intersection is the very place where the kingdom of God is meant to be revealed. Is the very place where the kingdom of God is meant to be advanced. Right there where time and eternity and circumstance are filled with problems. That's where we need to see the kingdom of God. And for that kingdom of God to be advanced, guess who it's going to come through? It's going to come through us as God's people who choose to activate our faith to advance God's kingdom. Now, this guy that we just read about, Jairus, everyone say his name, Jairus. Jairus, it says, was a synagogue leader. That's not to overlook. He, he is a guy, if you can read between the lines here, this is a guy who's well-versed in religion. I mean, he leads a synagogue. This is a man who knew the Torah and the studies and the scriptures and the prophets and the law of God. He had all of that. He had his religion down. But he recognizes that in his moment of need, what he needs must go beyond mere religion. He recognizes that what he really needs is not just another religious exercise, but that he needs to see Jesus move. He needs to see the kingdom of God come, and not just in a philosophical sense, but in a right here, right now, in my daughter's dying body kind of a sense. He needs to see the kingdom of God advanced in a real-time moment, and he comes with an activated faith, desperate to see Jesus do something, and, and Jesus, Jesus is moved by that kind of a posture. 
Jesus is moved by the desperation and then the faith that's activated that we come to him with. And I want to keep reading in verse 24. It said, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. There's another picture of a person who is activating their faith to advance God's kingdom. Do you see it? Are you seeing it? That part of the no-hype life is an invitation to you and me to go beyond the passivity that we kind of get used to in the church where it's like, oh, I'm going to sit here and, okay, go ahead, bring it to me. Bring that word that moves me. Go ahead and sing those songs and maybe I'll clap my hands if I like it. You know, we need to move beyond that passive posture and into an active place of faith where we are choosing to activate our faith to advance God's kingdom. I see this woman choosing it out of a desperation, and it's because she's been suffering for a long time, 12 years, 12 years. I wonder if maybe some of us can relate to what that's like, to have a thing that, that is dragging you down, causing you pain, great difficulty in your life, and you're struggling with it, you're wrestling with it, not for one day, not for one week, not for one month, not for one year, not even for one decade, but for decade plus. There's probably some of us that can relate to that. And what I recognize is that although this woman activated her faith to advance God's kingdom in a moment of breakthrough, she had also been activating her faith every single day for all of those 12 years. Because listen, activating your faith sometimes is about getting the breakthrough. But sometimes activating your faith is about getting through one more day when you haven't gotten one. And both are equally important. Both are equally miraculous. Both the experience of the kingdom of God advancing in one instant for a miracle is breakthrough. But living with a victorious, persevering, enduring spirit day after day, year after year, getting up every day saying it hadn't happened yet, but God, I still believe you. I haven't been healed yet, but God, I still love you. I haven't been touched yet, but God, I'm still holding on to who you are. That's miraculous just as much as the moment where the breakthrough came. Both are the kingdom of God. Both are legitimate spirituality. Both are a demonstration of the goodness of God. And, and we're going to need both. We, we need both, the persevering, enduring faith and the moment and instant breakthrough faith. Both are part of our experience and what we're called into. So this woman has been suffering for a long time. And when I think about people suffering for a long time and what that's like, I think of my, my own father. My dad was someone who was paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, all my life, I only ever knew him that way. He got polio when he was 14, and that was it. Paralyzed from the waist down. Braces and canes and crutches and wheelchairs were his story. 
And that's what I, what I knew about my dad. But what I also knew about my dad is that there was a moment when he legitimately came to faith in Jesus Christ, despite the fact that he was paralyzed from the waist down. He still recognized there's a goodness of God that he needed to receive. He became a believer in Jesus. And I know that he did begin to pray and say, God, would you heal my body? God, would you give me relief from this paralysis that I live with? And here's what I observed. I observed that he did not receive that healing in this life. But nevertheless, he lived every single day getting up and saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will live with an activated faith to advance God's kingdom even while this still hadn't happened yet. And this is what we're made for. This is what this woman comes with. And she brings her activated faith to that moment where she says, if I could just touch his robe, if I, could, if I could just get a thread of it, I mean, that's all I would need. Do you see the desperation there? Do you see the heroic, active, going after it there? That's a picture for you and me to aspire to, to begin to say, I believe there's something that I could get from Jesus, and I'm not going to be passive about it. I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to press through this problem. I'm going to press through this moment. I'm going to press through the despair. I'm going to press through the shadowy emptiness of it all, and I'm going to keep pressing through till I could get hold of Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus. I want to get hold of Jesus, and just one touch of the hem of his robe, I believe his healing could come to me. This woman demonstrates for you and me what a life with an activated faith, ready to advance the kingdom of God, can look like. And it's a long-term suffering that she's been dealing with, and it's an instantaneous miracle that she finally receives. But what I want us to recognize is, is what Jesus said about this moment. Go, go to verse, verse 30 for a moment, and we keep reading there. It says, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. Everyone say healing power. Healing power. No hype, but that's the reality. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How could you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. This is a beautiful moment, and, and I would love for you to take a mental snapshot of this moment. Could you just picture it? This woman just at, at Jesus' feet, I mean, almost trembling, but at his feet, she hears these words, your suffering is over. And if you could take a mental snapshot of this moment, realize this, it's given to you that you would have a hope for what could be possible for you. And I don't know why it wasn't on the 11th and a half year. I don't know why it wasn't on the 10th year. I don't know why it wasn't on the 7th year. I don't know why it wasn't on the first month. I don't know why she had to keep waiting. But I know that she got a moment where the breakthrough came. 
And it gives me hope to keep holding on, to say, God, I believe that uh, that kind of a moment could be possible for me. And I think it's important for you to take into your heart and let it give you hope too, that maybe your 12-year mark is coming at some point. That's hope. It's from Jesus. But the other thing I recognize is what Jesus said. He recognized immediately that power had gone out from him. When the kingdom of God comes, the power of God flows. When the kingdom of God comes, the power of God flows. It's a little weird. It's a little bit mysterious. It's a little bit exotic. It's a little bit awesome. Right? That that he, he recognized healing power had flown out from him. That's a thing. Take this to heart. This isn't just Jesus showing off. This is Jesus showing us what is possible. Because Jesus is demonstrating as he lived his earthly life what it can be like when a human being fully leans into the power and presence of God so that the power and presence of God can come, the kingdom of God can come. Jesus is demonstrating the kind of thing that we should anticipate as a possibility in our life of following him. There should be a way in which we might even anticipate there could be moments where healing power could flow in and through us too. Here's how I know this. Jesus says in John 14, in John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Jesus is speaking here about the no-hype kingdom of God experience that we are made for. And you and I are meant to be those through whom his power could flow so that the kingdom of God could be advanced for our good and the good of many around us. That's what we're on assignment here to do. We are not on assignment just simply to collect copious amounts of knowledge from history and scripture. We are meant to let the knowledge from history and scripture shape in us an anticipation of a way to live that's different, a kingdom of God kind of a way to live, where the The power of the king of the kingdom flows through you. And because you're available and you're activating your faith, people are experiencing breakthrough. Someone say breakthrough. There may be people that need a touch from God that are around you. And it just may be that God put you near them so that you could be that conduit. The one who would come with an activated faith to see the kingdom of God advanced. And the question is, will you move beyond the passivity? Will you move beyond what might have become familiar to you, which is to wait for someone else to do it? And will you move into the place where you choose to activate your faith to advance the kingdom of God? So I mentioned that I was in Thailand last week on a missions trip. I was there with a group called Compassion International. And Compassion International uh, serves the poorest of the poor. And their mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's it. And maybe some of you even sponsor kids through Compassion. And we got to go and visit those kids. It was beautiful. We got to spend time at the child development centers and all these villages in Thailand and help out for the day. And we also got the privilege of going to the homes of some of these kids. One of the places we went was an infant mortality rescue center. This particular village had a high infant mortality rate, and so Compassion sets up this infant, uh, infant mortality rescue center. And we went to visit the home of, of one of these babies, and this is the family we went and, and sat with. And uh, a sweet 
young mom with her, her infant and then grandma, you know, and we were there at their house and just visiting with them and she's thanking, you know, the compassion people for, you know, the letters and the support that provides the health. But her mom uh, had something going on and we asked, how could we pray for you? And she said, please pray for my knees. My knees are in terrible pain. And so my friend Daniel, this is Daniel, Daniel's the president of Catalyst, and he was my roommate for the week and became a friend, and uh, he heard that her knees were hurting, and so he said, well, can I pray for you? Can I lay my hands on you and pray for healing? And she said, yeah, sure. And so he got up, and he went out on a limb, because who knows what's going to happen, and he activated his faith to advance God's kingdom, stretched out his hands, and prayed through an interpreter, God, would you heal this woman's knees? God, would you allow your power to come so that relief from pain would happen right here and right now? And after three or four minutes of us praying, uh, we stopped, and then he asked her, how do you feel now? And she shook her head, and she said, it feels the same, pain. A little anticlimactic. <laughs> but, but Daniel didn't give up. Daniel said, well, then, that means we need to pray more. Can we pray more? And this woman wasn't even a believer, so she didn't really care. She was like, if you want to, you know. And so he leaned back in and laying hands on her knees again. And all of us just pleading the blood of Jesus by whom all of our healing comes. And, and praying for breakthrough in that moment, that, that problem, this intersection of time and eternity and circumstance, providing an opportunity for the kingdom of God to be demonstrated. And we're praying, we're praying. And then we stop and... And uh, she looks up, and she has this look of delight on her face, kind of shocked, kind of surprised. And, you know, God had touched her body. And it was an instant. It was a moment in time, years of dealing with this pain. God comes in a moment. The kingdom of God is manifest. And, and the group of us became like a, a family on that little front porch because we had been experiencing the kingdom of God together, the movement of the power of God through a person to a person. And freedom came. Healing came. That's what we're all made for. And let me tell you, my, my friend Daniel, he's not a missionary. He's not a pastor. He's a business guy. And as a business guy, he's not going to settle for an excuse saying, oh, well, that's the kind of thing that some pastors or some missionaries should do. He's saying, I'm a business guy, but I'm a... I'm a child of God. I'm a kingdom of God guy. So let me go for it. And so I want to hereby commission you to take a cue from my buddy Daniel and find a way to extend an, a hand in the name of Jesus and activate your faith. Activate your faith in such a way that the kingdom of God can come. I don't know what the result will be. I don't know if it will be one of the many times of prayer or the final time of prayer that the breakthrough comes. But do it. Activate your faith. Move beyond the passivity where you figure, ah, someone else can do all that. You do it. You do it. No hype. Follow Jesus into the experience of his kingdom. Move beyond the mere acquisition of knowledge. Enter into the experience of the power of God flowing through you. How exciting that is. What a glorious thing to experience. I want it for you. So be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for problems because those are the moments that are the birthplace of miracles, of kingdom advancement. And you got to activate your faith to advance God's kingdom. You've got to choose in a moment in time to bring something from within. It looks kind of like this. It looks like a, a quiet moment inside or a loud one, but you're saying, 
God, I choose to believe in your goodness. And because I choose to believe in your goodness, God, I think something could happen here that goes beyond the ordinary, that goes beyond what I could make happen or I could fabricate. But God, I'm believing you for it and I'm asking you for it now. I believe that you're good and you keep going for it until you see his power flow. That's what we're here for. It's what we're made for. It's what Jesus has invited you into, an experience of the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. That's what we are made for. That's the kingdom of God. So back to Jairus. Everyone say Jairus. Remember Jairus, so we, we began with Jairus. Jairus was the father who was the synagogue leader and his daughter was dying and he rushed through the crowd to get to Jesus, activating his faith to advance God's kingdom for his little girl. And then that woman pressed through and Jairus' story kind of got cut off for a minute, but let's, let's chase it down. So in verse 35, uh, th this, is what, this is what we read in terms of Jairus' story. It says, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Don't be afraid afraid. Just have faith. I want you to say these words of Jesus with me one time. Say it. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Say it again. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Why don't you put your hand on your heart for a second and say it again. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Even close your eyes and say it again. Say it. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. I think that there are moments that, that something hits us and it broadsides us and we don't know what to do and we need to hear those words of Jesus and speak them over our own lives. Don't be afraid, soul of mine. Just have faith. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. I don't know what's going to go down in your life or mine in the next week or month or year, but there may be some moments where we're going to need to remember this. Jesus speaking over a terrible shadow of a circumstance, but speaking and saying, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Those words from Jesus to Jairus are words that you and me need to be able to appropriate into our own lives. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Hear it as though Jesus were saying it to you right now, filling you up for what's to be, filling you up so you can overcome, filling you up so you can believe for a breakthrough. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. And then Jesus stopped the crowd, and he wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. <laughs> and the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed, totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. I love that. I love that. That Mark chooses to record it in the Aramaic, Talitha kum. 
because it sounds so eerie and mysterious, right? <laughs> Just say it one time with me. Say it, talitakum. But he says it. Get up. He says to a dead girl, get up. He, he, he hears the desperate faith of a father, a father who had activated his faith to advance God's kingdom, and he responds to that faith by speaking to a daughter who was dead, saying, get up. And as you activate your faith to advance God's kingdom, he still says it. Get up. Get up. Get up out of the despair. Get up out of the hopelessness. Get up out of the brokenness. Get up out of the addiction. Get up out of the bondage. Get up out of that mess and get up out of that life of sin and live. Come on, but you got to activate your faith to advance God's kingdom. And you just yet might hear Jesus say to you, get up, get up. It's not over, get up. It's not done, get up. There's more life for you to live. There's more fulfillment for you to experience. Get up. Somebody shout it with me, get up, get up. It's like as though Jesus is saying that to somebody personally right now. Get up. Don't keep giving in to the spirit of despair. Get up, join me in my kingdom where life and power flows and see what I can do. This is what we're made for. An experience like this, like the one we just read about here. But, but what I recognize is, is that sometimes, sometimes people need some assistance. There may be some people in your life that you might think they should believe God to do something in their circumstance, but they just cannot seem to. But maybe that's what you're there for. To be like a, a mobile hotspot for them. I was on the plane in Hong Kong, and it's a 14-hour flight back to San Francisco, and I realized I didn't have the in-flight entertainment app on my phone. This was going to be a brutally long flight. So I'm trying to figure out if I could download the app, and uh, I didn't, I mean, I had one little bar of Sprint's partnership, whatever. It wasn't, nothing was going to happen. And the dear woman sitting next to me saw my dilemma, and she said, hey, let me help you out. She was from Hong Kong. She said, I'll let my, I'll give you my phone, and it'll be a mobile hotspot. And so she synced up my phone with hers. All of a sudden, I had full signal Wi-Fi strength, and I downloaded that app, right? All because somebody was willing to say, I I'll let my hotspot serve you. I think that spiritually, you and me need to act Activate our faith to advance God's kingdom in such a way that we're walking around like a mobile hotspot of the flow of the kingdom of God, ready to see God's kingdom come for someone else. That's part of what we're made for, is to live that way. But that requires that we are people who believe, who really believe, who believe, who choose to flip the switch inside, where we say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you're good. And because I believe in your character as good, I'm asking you to do something good in this moment, to be believing believers. In Romans chapter 10, uh, this scripture in Romans chapter 10, it says, it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. It, it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by believing in your heart that every other good thing flows from the heart and presence of God into your life. 
And so believers, I'm urging you to live like one. Believing in your heart that God really is good and that he really can do something good yet. Don't give up. It might look like it's, like it's a done deal. The circumstance seems so shadowy. Don't give up believing in your God. Don't. I ask you even to repent right now. Repent of the giving up that you might have done. God's still able to do something in his life, in her life, in that moment, in that circumstance. His kingdom is unstoppable. And you and me get to believe him for it. And another thing I would say is if you're here today and this is all new for you, Maybe this is a, a thing that you need to respond to for the first time, to believe in your heart that you can be made right with God. That comes through Jesus Christ. And maybe this moment is your moment to once and for all ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. Start a life of believing in Jesus right here and right now. Yeah, let's take a moment and pray together. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that in this part of your word, some terrible things happen to perfectly good people. And there's no sugarcoating of it. Thank you. Because we always wonder why do bad things happen to good people. And we don't necessarily find the answer to that question. But what we do find is that your kingdom is the answer to all of those questions. And I thank you, God, for a moment in this scripture where where a woman was desperately ill, came to you and breakthrough came. Thank you, God, for a man whose daughter who was dying, and in his desperation, he came to you, and you worked a miracle. Thank you. God, thank you. These are not uh, just stories. This is history. These things happened. We are related by faith to these people. That woman's our sister. That's my sister's testimony. I claim it. If God could break through in my sister's life after 12 years, maybe he could break through in mine. I claim that testimony as an entry point to what God may yet do for me. Somebody with me, you say amen. Because we believe that, God, you are good. And, and Lord, where you came through for that father with his daughter who was dying. Some of us have kids that seem like they're dying. And Lord, we claim that testimony of what you did for our brother Jairus back in the day. And we say, that's a sign of what is yet possible for our kids. And we, hate, we let, let that be a, a signpost for us. This is what God is able to do, and we'll believe you for it. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you don't know if you're right with God, the way to be right with God is by believing in Jesus Christ. By believing that Jesus gave his life for you as the perfect sacrifice, conquering death for you so that you could really live, opening the way to heaven for you so you could go there one day when you die and making it possible for you to live here and now with power from heaven in time and space. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to consider doing that right now. Ask Jesus to forgive you, to save you, the being right with God thing really matters. If you're not right with God, you're left to carry around your guilt and your shame and to try to figure out a way to pay for it yourself, which you can never do. And ultimately, if it isn't ever covered or paid for and that's all you've got, a just God says, you're not bringing that to heaven and you don't get to come. That's dreadful and that is not what God 
actually wants. The scripture says he's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to come to everlasting life, and maybe that's you. And maybe today you need to receive this gift of everlasting life by putting your trust in Jesus. If you're here today and you would say, I need Jesus. I got a lot to figure out still, but I know I need Jesus. I need to ask Jesus to forgive me and to save me. If that's you, you would earnestly say, I want to begin following Jesus. Right now, I want you to raise your hand. Just raise it right now as a, a way of declaring, that's me. I'm going to start following Jesus. I want to ask him to forgive me and to save me. Just raise it up and let it be known. In the back, I see one, and I want to know if there's anyone else. I don't want to miss you. Right over here, young man, that's great. Excellent. Anyone else? I want to make sure you have a chance. Right over here in the middle, thank you. Excellent. Over here in the back, thank you, sir. Good. Several of you, just... Just raise your hand, now raise your voice with me and just start real simple by saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Just say it with me, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you gave your life for me. I believe you conquered death for me. And Jesus, would you come into my life and make me new? I'm yours, Jesus. Just say it to him, I'm yours, Jesus, from this moment on. You are my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for new life and salvation. I receive it now. And everybody together say, Amen.